headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Jade Washaw, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. The phone number, if you want to talk, is 888-825-5225. Nikki is starting this hour in Miami. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Thank you. Hello. Hi, how can we help? So I was calling to see if I, in your opinion, can afford or should I buy a $1.5 million house? Cool. I know it sounds like a lot. It's not a lot in my area. It's actually, I would even say a fixer upper for 1.5, but it's in a great desired neighborhood for schools. Okay, cool. So I wanted your opinion if that's a move we should make at this point in our lives. Absolutely. <laughs> if you can afford if you, exactly. if you can afford it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's my question. Can I afford such a big purchase? So what's your household um, we're a little income? Complicated. Yes. Yeah, so it, that's the complicated part. So my husband and I we make two hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. However, we do um have rental properties um as soon as we turned 25 instead of having a big old wedding we took our money and we bought our first investment property we paid it off moved on to the next one paid that one off and we've been building slowly but so two rental properties free and clear free and clear yeah we have four in total um we have one left to pay off out of the four can you tell me the first three can you tell me what they're worth of course. So the first one, um, we bought it for two hundred thousand, and now it is worth eight hundred thousand. Wow, good. What about the second one? Mm-hmm. And my rental, my cash, my net cash every month is close to two thousand dollars. Okay. After all expenses, um, my second property is paid off as well. Mm-hmm. Bought it for two hundred and fifty thousand. Now it's worth eight hundred thousand. Sweet. Way to go. What and about then, the third one? Yes, then the third one also paid off, and right now it's currently worth $350,000. And what do you owe on the one that's not paid off? Um, 330000 and that one is worth around 700000 Okay, and uh, is there any other debt that you have? Just our cars. Um, we owe f- between both of us $46,000 in cars. They're fairly new. We ended up buying them just a few months ago. Yeah. Anything Did- else? No, no student wow. loan, no credit card, nothing have, like that. you have any cash? Um, we do. We have about 150. And then for uh, aside from our income of 290, we also have our rental income, which nets to about 90 5000 a year. Yeah. So that's separate from the, the 290. That's correct. That's yeah. in addition to. The um Okay, and do you have any other investments? No, just of retirement 401k. How much? Um close to 160. How old are you guys? Um I am 37 and my husband is 40. Oh, you've done extremely wow. well. Congratulations. Thank you. Very well done. Um, uh, uh, And you're fairly new to this Ramsey stuff, I think, Mm -hmm. aren't you? I I did. I started watching the show and your videos just uh, a couple of weeks ago. As much money as you've got and as well as you've done, why do you care what we think? Um, I will. Both of my husband and I were accountants. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So we've done so far. We've been, we sacrificed so mm-hmm. much in our 20s and 30s to get where we are. I don't want to make the wrong move over a dream mm-hmm. that okay. is expensive. I well, don't The reason do that, you built wealth, accountant, <laughs> is to live the dream, not count the coin. Correct. Okay. So you're going to give up some of your rental income in order to live the dream. Mm-hmm. If I'm you, mm-hmm. anyway, I've got a bunch of rental property. I love rental property. I love real estate. All of mine's paid for. I never borrow money for anything. My house is paid for. Everything's paid for. Everything's paid for. Everything's paid for. So I'm going to have you in a in a paid for dream house mm-hmm. by selling off some of your rentals. If I'm doing your deal. Now, that makes you a question whether you really want to do this or not, because now the accountant is fighting with the little girl who wanted a dream house. Now, who's going to win? It is. (laughs) Well, look. It it, is. We have discussed that option, but we don't want to let go. It's cash flow. Yeah. It is. But would you rather strangers live in the paid for house or you? That's the way I look at it. I'd much be willing to clear. I'd probably clear rental number four since there's debt on it anyway. I'd sell that one Ooh. and get 300,000 cash. And drop one of the 800s. And then I'd drop one of the 800s. And, and pay you, cash for this puppy. And you're the one living in the paid for house. Not one of your right. renters. No, makes sense. Yeah. Right. It's funny. I'm renting my houses out and I live in what, an apartment. What, is your, what do you live now? What do you live in now? That's I, I rented all of my houses and I'm the one living in an apartment. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay, and you're thirty-seven, and you're a thirty-seven-year-old multi, you're a thirty-seven-year-old multimillionaire with an income approaching a half million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm still questioning what I should do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, listen, I, let me help you with this. Okay, there's three things you can do with money, and you need to do all three mm-hmm. all the time. Okay. Be generous with it, invest it, and enjoy it. You're only good at one: investing. Mm-hmm. And you are a world-class investor, mm-hmm. but you suck at enjoying it. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my husband says the same thing. We had this conversation last night. That's... I said, Taylor Swift tickets are too expensive. Oh, God. You this has better... nothing to do with Taylor that. Swift. But they better go see it. Oh, Y'all better go see God. that show. How did Taylor Swift get in this conversation? Because she put Kelsey on the map, Dave. Oh, Jesus, Murphy. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I'm just kidding. It's so expensive. I can't pay for those tickets. What happened? And he asked me, what happens if your daughter will ask for it? He made me think at that point. I said, I got to think about it. I got to justify the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, what would I do? Listen, listen, I believe, I teach people to get out of debt. I teach people to save people that spend all the time, people that spend all of their money on fun and have no life consequently, except of stress and problems. So they're most of the people we talk to Jade and I are on the other end. We're telling them grow up and quit (laughs) being a child and have, and quit having all some fun. Enjoy instead, have some generosity and some investing in your life. So I want you to insert Mm -hmm. some generosity in your life. Mm -hmm. You didn't talk about that. I'm not saying you don't have that but i want to make sure it's there and i want you to enjoy some of this money here's the Mm. deal with the money that you make if you sacrifice one and a half rentals the one that's paid for and the one that's not um and you get a nice home and you take a normal amount and start investing it from this point forward you're going to be worth 25 to 30 million dollars at retirement wow that's where you're headed oh, wow. mathematically. And you're that. an accountant. You can do compound interest, and you know what it looks like. You have this fabulous income. Yeah. And 
better than that, you have this thing called self-control. Yeah. And discipline. I mean, you're weird. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, but you need to go get your good house, girl. You uh-huh. earned it. You earned sure it. did. Very good. This is that's so fun. Way to go. Way to go, Nikki. This is the Ramsey Show. With more frequency than you know, I get calls and emails from people dealing with the recent loss of a spouse or a parent. You can hear the struggle and the heartache they've been experiencing. And at a time they should be grieving, what breaks my heart the most is the strain and tension they're going through because of money, especially when it's a situation that could have been avoided. If you have a family, it is your responsibility to have term life insurance. It is one of the things you do to show you care. And yes, this is an ad for Xander Insurance. But since this is one of the most effective ways I have to get my point across, so be it. For over 25 years, I've been telling you about the importance of term life insurance and protecting your family. Listen, you need to check out Xander.com or call them at 800-356-4282. I can't say it enough. Protect your family. It's what you're supposed to do. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. Jade Washaw, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Today's question of the day is brought to you by Neighborly, your hub for home services. When something in your home breaks, remember the Neighborly done right promise, which is it's not done right until it's done right. That's cool. I like that. Download the Neighborly app today. Schedule your appointment. And, uh, you know, you'll get great service when you're working with Neighborly's network of home service providers. That's great, right. Co- great company. Yeah. Today's question comes from Rachel in Missouri. She says, I've been listening to you for over 20 years, and I'm so grateful for your financial principles. My family is close to paying off our mortgage, and then we are completely debt free. Will you please give perspective on our world events? talking about the Israel at war, et cetera. What's the best advice to prepare financially for our own home and how to invest with so much turmoil? This is an interesting question. Dave, I'll give my uh, two cents on this. I'd love to hear your side of this. Um, Rachel, things like this, whenever there's calamity, whenever there's uncertainty in the world, I think about COVID and all those things, uh, I really go quickly to controlling what I can control. And... In this case, like you said, you're close to paying off your mortgage, you're close to being completely debt-free. Do those things that you know to do and continue walking down that path. And um, and then for me, I just also have to accept, it's like in one hand, I control the things that I can control. And then on the other hand, I have to accept the things that I can't control. And one thing that I have found that helps me accept the things I can't control is I tend to want to lean into generosity a little bit. And then there's kind of just like, okay, I can't, go overseas and I may not be the one that can save people, but I can be generous in my community. There's things that I can still do. So that's the way that I would approach that. Um, and that are, those are the two things that have given me peace, uh, in times like these. What about you, Dave? No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, control the controllables. I mean, when we were in the Fauci pandemic, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, you know, it was, we'd never been in a Fauci pandemic before. You didn't know what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you just kind of got to get in there and wind your way through. That one actually showed up in Missouri. I don't think Hamas is going to show up in Missouri. I could be wrong. 
but I'm pretty sure of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, might be wrong. I mean, sure as I say that, it'll be tomorrow. But I, I don't think so. I think yeah, you're. I, I think, think you're probably okay. But then the question is, what does world? What do global events do to your investments? Well, if you're invested in the stock market, for instance, in your 401k, sometimes global events temporarily affect that. Uh, a, a scare in the Ukraine, a scare um, in, in Israel, a war in Israel, a war in the Ukraine. Uh, can affect uh, stock market, usually fairly temporarily. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly an event in the homeland, an event in the United States proper would affect the stock market. But even nine one one, when the towers were uh, attacked by those cowards um, and the, they, you know, they, they fell. And they, they fell, if you don't know, literally within blocks of Wall Street. The actual New York Stock Exchange is right there. Okay, you couldn't get to it for a day or two because of the rubble, and so. But also, we traditionally shut down the stock market exchange, the New York Stock Exchange, and for that matter, the uh, the Nasdaq, which is in Chicago, will shut down trading during during horrible events like an attack on mm-hmm. American soil. Uh, we shut it down. Well. It, so it shut down. The, the 911 was on a Tuesday. Stock market didn't reopen until Monday. And as soon as it reopened, you know what it did? It dove 500 points in a matter of moments. You know what it did? And then it went down like for a week. Mm-hmm. It just kept going down. And everybody's like, oh, they, they, they've, they've, cra- they've crashed the towers and they crashed the American economy. Mm-hmm. No, not even close. I kept telling people, look, buy, buy, buy. It's mm-hmm. time to buy. It's going down. Buy. It's on sale. Buy. I don't want to take advantage of a calamity. That's not the point. But the market's going down. This is not the time to sell. It's the time to buy. Mm-hmm. Because 54 days later, it returned to where it was. Which nobody talked about. And never made a single news headline. But the news headline, big bold across the front page of the the you know the the local uh liberal pamphlet we have that's called a newspaper and um <laughs> big bold big bold letter stock market crashes following terrorist attack you know how much coverage they gave it when 54 days later it completely returned zero not one mention not one anywhere even cnbc which is supposed to report on business didn't report it even fox business didn't report it because fox business was not in existence then so there and you know but there you go that's what that's how this world event things work so what you do is you keep buying so dave you say just keep buying the rest of your life you keep buying until it's time for you to sell you do not buy or sell based on world events because they always have a temporary impact so we always say here that when you're investing, you're spreading it over four types, right? Growth, growth, and income, aggressive growth, international. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've heard you say international is kind of like the wild child, right? No, it's the weak spot. That's the weak spot. Yeah. And that is because... Those economies have not done as well. Right. And we know that. Yeah, overall, in the United States, foreign stocks as a category have not kept up with U.S. stocks as a category. But there's a for reason the la- you for the have last, it. For the last 40 years. There's yeah. a reason that it's still a quarter of the strategy. Exactly. Because... There are times that things like a BMW or a Mercedes, were they still owned by Germans? They're not now. Mm-hmm. But were, were, you know, were they, you know, think of a foreign company, then there's a bunch of them that you ingest and do business with every day and don't think anything about it. Um, but their stock then is a considered a foreign stock. Mm-hmm. And so you're, there's times that they're going to prosper, sometimes on the back of the U.S. economy. That's true. But there's still that that profit is from a foreign com- goes to a foreign company then. So, 
Uh, it's not a patriotic issue. It's a math thing. And so um, you just keep investing. You just keep investing, Rachel. And I got to tell you, if you're worried about a paid-for house in Missouri because of the war in Israel, you need to turn television off. Yeah, that's true. You're watching it too much because that you, your reality is getting distorted um, as to what's, what the real effect is going to be on your life. I, Absolutely. No one is happy about Israel being attacked. Well, uh-huh. some people are happy, but, I mean, n- none of the people around me or you know, <laughs> people best, like me yeah. are happy about it. We're all hi- in horror, horrified with what's going on. It's absolute evil. But um, but it, from a financial or economic perspective, a year from now, it'll be a distant memory. Mm-hmm. From a political perspective, 10 years from now, it'll be a history note in a book. That's all it'll be. Just a note. That's true. Like the 1967, 1972, same, same dates at Israel, right? Mm. Same thing. Just a note in the history book. Yeah. And so, but while you're living in it, it's a real thing. And so, but you can't get caught up in things that are happening somewhere else. Control the controllables. Yeah. It's tough. I think um, the way the world is, there's social media, there's 24 hour oh, a day network news, right? And it's constantly feeding us the worst possible things happening in society. And if we don't put boundaries around that, we will destroy our brains. Like we will, we will be in fear twenty four seven. It's a twenty four seven news cycle. Yeah, twenty four seven fear cycle. It's fear porn, and the, you know, not to say that the Israel thing is not real. Of but, course, uh, it is obviously real. It's obviously mm-hmm. horrid. It's a tragedy. It's a disaster. Yeah, it's all of those things. But, um, uh, but it, but is it going to affect Rachel in Missouri? No. No. Yeah. Other than pray for, I was going to say, pray for peace in Jerusalem. Yep. Other than the that way that we can pray show for compassion. Peace. Yep. That's all you can do. Hey, thank you, thank you for your question, Rachel. Open phones at triple eight eight two five five two two five. By the way, there's lots of information on the stock market history that is very intriguing when you dig into it. Mm-hmm. One piece of information I saw in one of the brochures one time is if you had invested at the worst possible day in the stock market in the last five years and you did that every five years mm-hmm. you would have so much money the worst possible day yeah because you were buying at the bottom yeah cheap you know and you say okay this is the horrible thing that happened that right after 911 mm-hmm. if you had invested right mm-hmm. if you had invested after you know black monday in 1987 mm-hmm. if you'd which the market just dove like 20 yeah. percent in one day is crazy it's a weird day if you'd invested on the worst possible days If you'd invested at the highest possible days, how much money you'd have. It's still a lot of money. Something. So the point of the chart or the illustration is keep investing, keep investing, keep investing. The only people that get hurt on a roller coaster are those that jump off in the middle of the ride. This is The Ramsey Show. Jade Washaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Derek is in Salt Lake City. Hi, Derek. Welcome to The Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jade. Hey, what's oh. up? Hey, um, I'm getting married in less than two months. Congratulations. Uh, has, well, thank you very much. Um, she has about $23,000 uh, of consumer debt. I do not have any debt outside of my mortgage. So my question to you is, should I stop baby steps four, five, and six and save up uh, to be able to pay off her debt after the wedding, or should I continue four, five, and six till after the wedding. So you don't have 23,000 cash now? Um, I do, yes. Okay, why would but you need, to, why would you need to save up then? 
um, I'm, I'm currently finishing my basement. And so um, I'm doing that debt free. And so I'm only going to have about 15,000 left. And is she contributing any to this 23,000? Uh, she's working um, to pay it off right now, but when we get married, it'll still the lion's share will still be there. Okay, so you've got fifteen thousand that you can put towards it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I would. I, yes, I yes. To answer your question, I would stop my four hundred one k and go ahead and get okay. get ready for the post honeymoon debt freedom. Mm-hmm. And then make sure you have a fully funded emergency fund, and um, never dip into your emergency fund for anything, and that includes fixing a basement, which is by definition not an emergency. And um, then we will, uh, after we have an emergency fund in place, we'll restart and put 15% of our new household income into retirement plans of some kind. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, that's just adjusting both of your lives to fit the, the post-marriage baby steps. Agreed? Definitely. Yeah, you, you were on track. You knew what we were going to say already, but you just want to make sure it, that the nuance was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was... I had a couple more questions for him. I wanted to know if he was spending his emergency fund to do his basement. Well, he had twenty three thousand. He's going to be down to fifteen. Yeah. So okay. I don't. I don't know how far. You know. That's what I said. You got to make sure the emergency fund's in place yeah. and the basement's not. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Yeah. That's um. That's yeah. We went from this real noble. I'm going to pay off my fiance's debt after we're married. To I'm finishing my basement. <laughs> yeah. Your face was priceless what <laughs> finishing my basement yeah all right and there's that <laughs> okay how are these in the same sentence but, all right. yeah that's good that's okay it's she okay. wants maybe she wants the basement finished I, yeah, it's okay nothing's wrong with what he's doing it's just it no. just caught me off guard it was like a hard left turn it was morgan is in sacramento hey morgan what's up hi how's it going better than i deserve how can i help Yay. Um, I am calling because I have been a homeschooling stay-at-home mom for the past 18 years, and my kids have just gotten old enough now to where I am working part-time, and we're trying to figure out what to do with um, my added income. Some of it is going to ha- is um, sorry going to help make ends meet with inflation and all that fun going on, but we still have an abundance beyond that. And so we're trying to figure out how to, if we, in comparison with elevating our lifestyle with paying off the mortgage. So you're on baby step six? I think so. Awesome. So that would mean for anybody listening, you have no other debt other than the mortgage. You've got three to six months set aside for expenses in an emergency fund. Yep. And you're investing 15% of your income before taxes. And then are you putting aside anything into 529s or anything like that for the kids' college? Uh, No, that stuff is all taken care of. Okay. How? How's it taken care of? Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I I said, wow. I said, yeah. Um, My oldest was given a 529 already and has done scholarships and is working her way through. So this is her first year. And um, we also have relatives that are helping along the way and are able to help but um we just really feel strongly too about our kids work ethic and being able to put themselves through we live in an area too that has a state school and a community college and here in california community college is paid for by taxpayers so there's just a lot of support so they're able to go without yeah. debt so that's good yeah yeah so, and but you're you're contributing nothing uh yeah correct okay so 
taken care of means that you think they have a plan. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I just wanted to know what you meant. Okay. Yeah. And, um, all right, so I, I get it. That's been the plan. They're homeschool, and that's been the plan all along, and they know that. They're not surprised by it, and mm-hmm. you're actually coaching them and showing them how to do this debt-free, I hope, yeah. and yeah. Um, and uh, without mom and dad's support and with the support of some relative money, money coming from some relatives. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, there's two things to do with the overage then. It'd be baby step six, as you said, put it on your house or enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, how much overage have you got? Um, probably about a thousand a month. Okay. So what do you want to do? Um, you know, little things like my daughter this year asked if she could have new soccer shoes instead of used soccer shoes, Mm -hmm. things like that. Like I really would like to do and what what we actually did do, um, for my birthday, we bought a table at a banquet for a charity event for people. And that was so much fun Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Um, my husband likes to buy dinner if we ever go out with friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, nothing huge, I guess. I mean, but then that's what we're thinking, like, oh, maybe we could save up and go to next year's money and marriage event, you know, things like <laughs> that, that are super exciting. What I would say, about. what I would say, this is what Sam and I do. Um, and we, we, we came up with this because we have variable, like variable income and, Every month, the question is, what do we do with this extra income? And finally, we got to the point where we're like, it's just a percentage. And we know this percentage is going towards a mortgage. Whatever it is, this percentage goes towards something fun we want to do. And this percentage goes towards giving. And that kind of takes all of the guesswork out of it. It kind of takes the um, the tendency to maybe leave something that's important out and so that you can do something else. And that way it's like, okay, we're covering every base every time there's extra money. And that's one strategy you could utilize with this because I do want you to be intentional about paying off your mortgage because it is part of the process. And it's very important for you to do that in order to build wealth. But like Dave said, you also, it's extra, right? And you don't have to be so, so intense about it. I just want you to be intentional. So you do have the opportunity to give some or save some as well. Yeah, I I would, I agree with that. I think that's a great formula. And so it might sound like we're going to put 50% of all overage towards the mortgage. Uh, we're going to splurge with 40% of the overage, and we're going to give an additional 10 yeah. um, for generosity out of out of it. Or whatever. You could you can switch those numbers around, or you can have different numbers. But the, obviously, out of $1,000, then I'd put 500 towards the mortgage or 500 you know, whatever that percentage tells you. And that's exactly how Sharon and I do it as well. We increase our lifestyle by a very small percentage on all overage. We increase our generosity and our investing by a large percentage on all overage. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're blessed in that our income is so freaking ridiculous that a small percentage is a great (laughs) for life. So, um, I mean, our lifestyle increasing a small percentage is not a small dollar. So it's good. We we just don't need to spend that much. It's just nuts. And we still have a crazy good life. You You do. Too. I think people do fear like lifestyle creep, though. Yeah, like, but you if you don't, be... you should you should fear it. Yeah, because I mean, because it, it, if you don't learn to control how much you spend on your consumption, mm-hmm. you will consume all up. of it the rest of your life, no matter what you make. Mm-hmm. And people would make fifteen million dollars buy fifteen million dollars worth of stupid stuff. Then you know that's called mo money mo problems. That's it, and that's that's a, you know mo immaturity. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it just keeps growing, right? But yeah, I think you just got to, uh, but the formula gives you permission mm-hmm. to enjoy the portion that you set for enjoyment 
and permission to do the generosity without looking over your shoulder was I irresponsible. That's right. And permission to do the investing without feeling like I'm Scrooge McDuck counting my coins. right? Right. That's right. And so I love that where we allocate a percentage. I use it. We teach it to high income people all the time. But it works for anybody in four, five, and six mm-hmm. on any amount of overage. Mm-hmm. It could be a thousand, it could be ten thousand overage, yeah. whatever it is. Good suggestion, Jade. Well done. This is the Ramsey Show. Jade Washall, Ramsey personality, is my co host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. James is in Santa Cruz, California. Hi, James. How are you? No, very good. Thank you. Um, I am a new listener. My radio station just picked you guys up. And a couple of questions um, on credit scores. We had bankruptcy years and years ago, and we've just been working real hard on bringing our credit up. And now we're in the 800s. And I heard you the other day saying that isn't that important. So I'm just trying to find out about credit ratings yeah so james well number one thanks for listening and thanks for even being open to what we're talking about here um the thing with the credit score is it's all about your interaction with debt and since you have started listening we are of the camp that debt is there's no such thing as good debt right we want you to pay off your debt and when you do pay off your debt your credit score goes to zero after time, usually it's about a year that passes and it will go down to zero if you have no debt on the record. And for a lot of people, yourself included, I think that is completely new information. It's like, wow, I didn't know that that was possible. And it makes people a little bit nervous because our whole lives, the culture is telling us you need to have credit score, you need to have a good credit score, and you need a credit score to get all the things that you want in life. But when you really do look at that score, it's about how much debt you have, how long you've interacted with that debt, what types of debt do you have, right? The history of your debt, what percentage of your debt that you're using. That's all they care about. And it's only good for one thing, and that's to help you get more, more debt. debt. <laughs> right. It, it's, not, so it's, not an, it's not an indication that you have a high net worth, a high income. It's not an indication you're winning with money. Right. It's an indication you're winning with debt. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's a false measure of winning is our is our point. And mm-hmm. do we want to purposefully destroy it if you've got an 800? No. But the only way you've got an 800 is since you filed bankruptcy years ago is, you know, after the bankruptcy, you've had a lot of positive interaction with debt, meaning you borrowed, paid it back, borrowed, paid it back on time mm-hmm. or early, and uh, you didn't get into crazy amounts of debt, I hope. Um, usually you don't get an 800 if you're way over leveraged. Right. Um, and usually you don't get an 800 if you've got a bunch of wrong kinds of debt. I mean, if you had by wrong kinds, I mean the super dumb stuff. Yeah. Right. But it's not all credit card debt or it's not all whatever, but I mean, you've been living a fairly normal consumer life and have paid everything earlier on time. Am I right? Yeah. And you know, we have four vehicles, everything's paid off. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, credit cards, but I mean, we pay them off every month. Right, right. And the only but you didn't always, or you wouldn't have an eight hundred. No, correct. The credit, the cars yeah. weren't always paid off, and the credit cards weren't always paid off every month, or you would not have an eight hundred. Right. The only 
thing we have is our mortgage, and I just looked it up yesterday, and it's worth like 1.2, and we owe 513, so it's like a $687,000 in equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way to go. Way to go. We have two kids. Uh, our girl is the last two years at Cal Poly. Yeah. So we're paying their tuition. What's your, so, household, what's your household uh, income? Um, the wife is around 125. And I'm self-employed. I'm, and I actually retired this last December, mm-hmm. which doesn't feel like it because I'm still working. Yeah. And, what do you make? Um, what do you make? I, I'm on paper. I'm about twenty to thirty. Okay. So let me let me. Here's the premise. You're a brand new listener. The thing that we've discovered, and I've lived, and we have taught now for thirty years on this show, is the shortest fastest way to an extremely stable wealthy enjoyment of money is to become and stay debt free because that frees up your income it de- it takes away the risk of problems and you're living in a fairly risk-free environment right now you have nothing left but a very small mortgage and relative to the uh relative to the value and your wife right. has a good income you guys have done you've been very careful calm wise You've not done anything super stupid here. You've done a good job, a very good job. And so it doesn't, in your mind right now, this idea of living without debt completely, uh, it's not that radical because you're almost there. Basically. Right. And then the 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 point being, the point being, do you want to go back into debt? If you want to go back no. into debt, I would argue with you. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to go back into debt, you should protect that credit score because it's the easiest way to go into debt. But if you're not going to borrow anymore and you're just going to build wealth and the next time you get ready to buy a car or put a kid in school, you're going to figure out a way to write a check to do that and you're not going to borrow money, then your need for an 800 credit score is very low. Now, you don't have to worry about it. It's not doing anything wrong. It's just sitting there. And there's no sense in, like I said, we don't need to shoot it or something. It's not, we don't want to destroy it. Uh, But I'm not going to sit and fret like most of Americans do about, oh, God, it dropped 10 points. Who gives a crap? I mean, it doesn't matter. You're not using it. It has only one use, and that's to borrow more money. And if you decide, like I decided 30 years ago, and you've been moving this way before you even met us, James, you've been moving towards being debt free and hopefully staying that way. If you decide I'm going to stay that way, then you have no use for a credit score. Right. Yeah. And the the further you walk down the path, the easier it gets, right? When you, when you first start out, you've got a bunch of debt and there's, you know, more risk in your life. You're thinking, well, I, a lot of people erroneously think I need a credit card. What if something happens? It's my safety net. And then they start to realize and get their confidence of, wait a minute, I can use my own money. I don't need this credit score. And the further you get, down that line to where maybe the only thing you have left is your mortgage, then it's like, yeah, what do I need a credit score for? I've got everything mm-hmm. and I was able, and, and now I have all this extra cash because I don't have payments. So if I do need something, I can easily stack up the cash to pay cash. There I don't go. need debt. That's it. It's out. Once you know that, then you don't need a score. Yeah, that's, that's right. What, James, thanks for being a brand new listener. Caleb is in Charleston, West Virginia. Hi, Caleb. How are you? I'm great, Dave. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. What's up? So I uh, I do reside in Charleston, West Virginia. I own a roofing company. Mm-hmm. We're coming up on uh, just over two and a half years in business. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, fairly healthy. We will be uh, projected about 2.2 million. Great, good job. Well done. Thank you. Um, And we've accumulated a a decent amount of money. I've got, uh, actually just checked it this morning, around 303,000 and change in the bank, Mm -hmm. but it is just sitting um, in the bank. So Mm -hmm. I can give you a little bit more details of kind of our family. We've got two, two young girls and it's, when you work pretty hard for, you know, that type of money, you, you seem to, you know, keep it closer to your chest. And I, I don't know if I'm, I'm doing, you know, this service to myself as well as the family, if we don't pick up a little bit, you know, and be more aggressive in. Well, you need an emergency fund at home. You need retained earnings at the office. You need some money, some cash at the office for operations, for growth, yeah. for, uh, for buying things. Uh, so you don't use a line of credit to the office, that kind of stuff. So I keep a retained earnings fund here at Ramsey. All right. And then at home, I've got an emergency fund. So some of that 300 will be allocated to those two things. The rest of it should be either used to pay off debt or to invest or both, depending on where you are in the baby steps. Okay. Are you familiar with the baby steps? I am. I am familiar. Okay. Where are you? Are you out of debt? No, and you're gonna you're probably with with the type of money. And again, it's it's one of those things where it's sometimes hard to give up some of the the money that I've I've worked. Uh, and, and you already you know, gave it up when you bought the item with debt. You just hadn't admitted it yet. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Do you have? I mean, you did two point two million in revenue, but does the business? Did you guys take out debt on the business? No, the business has zero debt at all. Okay, What's so, the debt that you're uh, ashamed of that you don't want to talk about? One hundred and thirty thousand in my mortgage. Oh, is that all? Oh. Is that all? I have one hundred and thirty. I have one hundred and thirty thousand mortgage. That's it. That's not. A, that's that's no biggie. Pay it off, man. Yeah. Yep. Oh God, pay that off today. <laughs> Good Lord. I thought he was going to drop a bomb on us. Dave. I thought you were going to tell me you had an eighty thousand dollar truck. Uh huh. I really did. Yeah. Oh my God. No, pay off that mortgage, man. Today. Great. Ooh. That's nothing exciting stuff. Yeah. And then you still got. One hundred fifty thousand. One hundred fifty. One hundred eighty thousand yeah. bucks. Yeah. Oh my God. This Ooh. is the Ramsey Show. Dave here. You can find all of our shows with the Ramsey Network app on your smartphone. It's the only place to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. Download the Ramsey Network app in your favorite app store today.